Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, presented by the Political Action Committee, People for a Better DeSoto County, with your hosts, Chad and Ben. We hope to give you an informative look into local government by having a healthy discussion about city issues, interview a few friends, and have a little fun. Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. I am Ward 4 Alderman Chad Wicker. And I'm Ward 6 Alderman Ben Piper. We're coming to you live from uh, Shelby Road Production Studios, and uh, I call the heart of Ward 4 and Hernando. It's been a couple of weeks since our last show. We've kind of, we were out of town and, and, and had some scheduling conflicts and so forth, so we're back at it. Uh, ben, how you been? Great. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been a good, uh, good start to summer. Uh, here in Hernando, so lots going on. Uh, Chad and I both went to uh, Washington D.C. I know we talked about that previously, you know, earlier in earlier this month uh, in May. Uh, went to Washington D.C. to to talk about some of the bigger projects facing DeSoto County and Hernando as a whole. But it's been a uh, good summer, good end of school for all the kids. You know, super proud of all the kids how they're doing. Graduation always a big deal for a lot of families too. Yeah, uh, you have one going to second grade. And fifth grade, yeah, second, fifth, and I got a, a new kindergartner right, starting yeah, in the fall too. So. I got I got one going to middle school, and then I have a, uh, a kindergartner starting as well. So big time, big time, you gotta love it. That's right. So they'll, be, they'll go to high school together. That's so. it. Give a shout out to the five uh, U Red Sox. Uh, we we came in second in our little tournament. We tied for first, but we was too late for us, so we just took the tie and took second place um, in the little tournament we had a couple of weeks ago. So. Uh, those kids got better every day, so we really, uh, really enjoyed the season and looking forward to playing again in the fall. And I, I you know, I hear that there was a uh, the big fishing rodeo out there at Lee Summit Park. Yes, they uh, were. went really well. Um, I think you could have, I think you could have just reached in there and just grabbed a fish. It was so well stocked uh, by Wildlife and Fisheries. They did a great job. Uh, really, really great event out there for the kids and uh you know a great way for them to get exposed to you know fishing and outdoors and that sort of thing not everybody has you know a lake or a pond or you know a house they can go to where they can do that sort of thing so it was it was good to have uh yeah good to have that opportunity for the kids out there and then we had the a fair since then as well uh which was awesome thousands of people coming to hernando um so really good really good month here for hernando but you get your pork rinds i did not get pork. I'm sorry, Miss Kathy. I didn't get by and see oh, you and get any pork oh, rinds. Man. I'm sure she's listening. Uh, Those you know, things it, hit it different. Upset women. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. I did get a. I did get a, a couple corn dogs there. Yeah, my son uh, got a my corn son, dog. He's a big fan of corn dogs. So. Yeah, corn dog and the, and the, you got to get the uh, the pork rinds, man. Salt and vinegar. That's where it's at. They're they're high quality. If you hadn't, if you hadn't had them, you know, I guess Water Tower Fest will be the next time you have a chance at them. Yeah, uh, Ben, you want to break a little news about uh, our, our recreational facility? You know, we we talked about at the last uh, podcast that we had purchased a the land there, and and then we were uh, just recently the mayor let us know we were awarded a grant to. Uh, on the road from uh, kind of through that park. You want to talk about a little bit about that? Yeah, so we've got Renaissance Park uh, that was, you know, that land was donated to the city off of Highway 51. Uh, it's part of the park's master plan that Kimley Horn worked on and um, engineered and designed. There's a road that goes uh, from Highway 51. Eventually, we'll cut all the way through to Robertson Gen Road and the, and the uh, current Civic Center baseball facility. Uh, so the city was awarded a $1.7 million grant. Bill Kincaid, uh, one of our elected Yeah, he's the chairman, I think, the uh, Wildlife and Fishery Parks Committee there. Yes. Uh, he informed the city that we would 
receive this grant. It's a, I guess, a 70-30 grant. So the city does have uh, several hundred thousand dollars that'll have to go into it uh, for this to all make sense. Uh, I think there's a pavilion and a, uh, some parking and a street parking, yeah, that'll go that'll go into this uh, property, but it'll open the property up for future development. Um, of you know baseball and softball fields basketball you know, tennis basketball uh, tennis a green space a disc golf course disc golf course all the stuff so you know certainly we have to find a funding mechanism to make all that work to get these things built out because the coin for kids uh, measure failed what about a um, use tax maybe like one penny something like that yeah i mean that would be yeah that would <laughs> that would be one way to do it you know that, that there's there's certainly um, other ways that you can that you can fund this whether it's through a, a bond issue or you know borrowing funds or whatever it may be, but that's that's for the total board to decide on um, at some point, and the timing of that will be you know based on kind of economic conditions and you know other things that can that can come along. But let's look back at the last uh, board meeting that we had earlier this month, and I couldn't make it. My my son was graduating from 4K. Uh, that's where you needed to be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I wasn't at the last meeting, but it, uh, I think uh, y'all held it down for me. A few things on here I want to talk about is the revision, I guess, to Lee Summit there, um, mm-hmm. which is, I, I believe, is that where they're putting the car wash bin? Is that, is that, am I, am no, I right before that? that, there's a, there's a little, so if you're, if you're going on uh, Mackinville there, there's Monteith. Oh, okay, on the corner there's there. The, there's a, a, a big property, there, a commercial property that has a cove uh, that'll be cut into it. And so this was really to, you know, to kind of get that revised and finalized. But the three or four lots that are right in that cove, um, we discussed the number of curb cut-ins. So what that means is, you know, how many how many turn-in <laughs> how many turn-ins are going to be cut into that uh, into that property. And so uh, initially, I think they wanted three, one for each business. People were concerned about the traffic concern. They cut it down to one. Uh, you know, me personally, I would I would rather people just go to Monteith and go to that cove and have parking on the back side of those businesses that would be the preferred way to do it rather than have a cut in you know less than a tenth of a mile from that huge curve you know with mackinville and holly springs road all that's going to be you know re-engineered and and looked at whether it'll be a roundabout or a three-way stop or a you know some some combination of those two things we don't know yet so that was that was really my concern with you know not not voting for that revision um but it ultimately did pass yeah, so just so we're talking about that's that's the piece of property that's been cleared between Colonial Hills Church and Mackinville, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, right, right. And so I guess that that was approved and so they will be able to cut how many cut ins? I think just one. They, they, one. they went from three to one. So you know, they were trying to work and find compromise and that sort of thing. But So it's gonna be similar to the KFC and Taco Bell, kinda of how they have that they kinda of share a, a turn in yes. there. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so myself and uh Alderman Ross uh okay. were in the uh voted nay and, and the remainder of the board voted for it you know and that's it's just one of those things that i think you have to think about you know safety how people are going to get in and out you know it's just it's one of the, one of the many decisions you have to make all right well let's move on to the uh, i think the uh something i was in, very interested in was the food truck ordinance uh discussion you guys mm-hmm. talked about uh, i guess the proposal that was was put out by uh by austin uh, cardozi our uh, planning director i think i have posted that on our facebook page at the boardroom podcast on Facebook, but I think, um, talk about that a little Do you have a pretty good discussion about that? We did. And I think, you know, certainly there's some, there were some business owners that were, and, and restaurant owners in Hernando who were concerned with it, you know, basically that you're not going to have a moving target with a food truck that's going to kind of come and go. Um, is the health department going to check in on them or not? But what this food truck ordinance creates is the ability to, for somebody to have a food truck park 
Uh, so you would have, let's say, you know, an acre of land that you want to designate as a food truck park. It's a conditional use that our planning commission would would vote for or against, where you would be able to have up to, I believe it's 15 trucks. I think that's right. Uh, yeah. Up to 15 trucks on one property, but you have to have, you know, the Department of Health needs to check off on folks. You got to have a trash plan a uh, bathroom plan, you know, all these kind of things, a lighting plan, a parking plan, just everything uh, that really allows it to be a, you know, a safe facility and, and something that families can go to and enjoy. What the tr- what the other thing the food truck ordinance allows is if you've got a, an HOA that wants to have a community event, you know, in the summertime, you can do that. You know, if you're a private, if you're a private citizen um, and you at, at your private residence, you're having a birthday party or something. You can have a food truck come there. It's just like hiring a caterer. But it just clearly defines some of these terms uh, for people. Um, and w- with an HOA or some kind of organization like that, you can have an event up to 12 times a year. Yeah. Um, you know, for a, for a nonprofit sort of deal like that. Obviously, churches, you know, groups like that are, are you know are included in that. You know, one of the thing, one of the thing, one of the questions that I have, I guess, going forward. Is let's say you're a if you're a business that wants to hold a private event, is that going to be something where you can hire a food truck to come park there? In, in my mind, if it's you, you're the only one paying for it, yeah. if, you're, if the business is the one paying for it, that that would be you know doable. But if people are you know if people are coming up and buying it, then that's a little bit different. So that's going to be one of the things that we kind of have to you know sort out and, and square away with our with our planning department going forward. Right. I, so I we, have we had were, that question asked. So the 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 item on the meeting agenda was just to get discussion and, and to get some more feedback. And I think he's going to come back with a full ordinance to be voted mm-hmm. on. Isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. So there's still a chance if, if, if people listening to this podcast are interested or, or have any ideas, please reach out to your alderman, uh, cityofhernando.org, uh, and you can find everybody's uh, beautiful picture on there and send them an email, right? That's it. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, for a lot, of, a lot of the businesses, they just want things to be treated fairly. You know, if you're... Uh, if you've got a coffee shop in town or you've got a, uh, a burger shop in town or whatever it might be, you want everybody to have to play by the same rules that you play by. That's right. And that's the way it should be. That's you right. know, um, If they're going to have regulations on them, then food trucks should have And when them I went them. back and watched the meeting, I think there's a couple uh, restaurant owners who, who spoke uh, mm-hmm. in support of this, of this ordinance, I think, didn't they? Yes. And I, th- and I think the big thing that this ordinance also creates is that you have to have a sales tax license Yes. In the city of Hernando. So currently, if we have a food truck that comes to Hernando, wherever that business is headquartered, that's who gets the sales tax revenue. That's okay. Right. It does not come it does not come to the city of Hernando. Got to have um, every penny for our parks. Right. You got to ha- you got to be able to you got to collect that revenue, right? So, um that's going to be something different. So if you do have um you know whether it's at your home or whatever it might be, that 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 sales tax revenue would now if it's if it passes, it would go to the city of Hernando. All right, so we'll move on to the next thing. I guess worth talking about was we created a, uh, I guess you call it a capital parks capital improvement committee, which is going to be uh, the mayor Jared Barkley, our parks director, help me Andrew Miller and Natalie Lynch and myself, and we're going to have our first meeting on Wednesday. I'm, I'm not sure we're going. I think we're going to publish this after the meeting, but there's kind of three things we're going to talk about on Wednesday at the meeting. One of those is partnering with uh, the Mississippi. A North Mississippi Disc Golf Club to have a um, disc golf course at Renaissance Park. That's something we've discussed, and also uh, proposing an agreement with DD Consulting, and they do recreational planning on a potential to establish a new parks department position, uh, which is going to be kind of, um, I believe, been working on the working on the fields and so forth, drainage and things like that. 
Uh, and, and lastly, uh, discussion on Civic Center concession stand and uh, restroom improvement. So we're looking to possibly do a fundraiser or raise some funds from the community. I know one guy, he said he could raise quite a bit of money for us. Um, so we're looking to him maybe to help us. Um, and it's also important to note on these on these parks committee meetings or whatever committee meetings we ever mentioned, those are open to the public. Uh, so people can attend those and, and certainly, uh, you know, add their input to it and see how uh, the government's working. The goal of the, the, the committees is to have a more transparent process uh, than to, you know, just have, you know, city employees that are kind of working on stuff behind the scenes and then they present stuff to the board. And then it's just a lot of questions. And, you know, sometimes it can be a little it can be a little much to be done in a public in a public meeting with seven aldermen. Everybody's at different phases of you know, decision-making or whatever else. When you have these committees, they're able to do some work. Public can still attend those. Yeah. Uh, there's still meeting minutes kept, like all the things. So that way you can you can know kind of what's going on there. Yeah, so. they're open to the public. It's going to be 4 o'clock on, on Wednesday. But, again, I think this is probably coming out on Thursday. So yeah. uh, if you come, you'll be missing it. So Contact your alderman. If you want to go to a committee meeting, you can you can certainly go to it. So a lot of work to be done and there. And we'll, we'll have video of it and be on the website. So yep. if anybody misses it, that's the three things we're going to talk about. Uh, moving on to the next item is going to be, uh, we had a brief discussion about city wards, uh, polling locations. I think the only really question now is where uh, wards four and ward three are going to vote. Is that right, Ben? I think there's still a lot of things up in the air on that. Okay, okay. Um, there's some, there's some other, uh, I think some other churches and things that we were, you know, waiting to hear back um, from right. some of them and then have kind of a master list of this is all of the potential places we could be um, and then what wards go where, yeah, uh, since, which one make yeah. the most geographic sense. Yeah, since we redistricted uh, the, I guess that's right, or redistricted the, the district, so the ward, so there, it, it doesn't make sense kind of where some of the polling stations are now, so uh, we're looking to maybe combine three and four together or, or, or four and five or whatever and to make it uh, make a little more sense than what it does now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it needs to make geographic sense, too. I think that's, that's the right. biggest thing is that, you know, this last election yeah, like in we, 2021. Four, four and six was at the fire station, which is kind of okay for four, but you, your guys were coming, you know, quite a, quite a, quite a long distance. Yeah, you, know, you got Notting Hill and those areas, uh, Forest Meadows from, from you. That's a, quite of a drive all the way to you know, Nesbitt for, to vote. So. Yeah, so it may make sense. And right now, one of the things we discussed was Ward, ward uh, 6 and Ward 4, Five, which is myself and and Alderwoman Ross, uh, those two wards voting at Colonial Hills Church, which is kind of right in the heart of both of those, you know, right right very close to where both of those wards are. There would be people that have to, would have to come from East Nesbitt all the way down to Colonial Hills Church. But Ward Six is just so large, and it swoops from Winningham Estates all the way around to you know where Heritage Oaks is and some of these That's other right. Thousand Oaks area. There's there are a number of places you could you could meet. So. We'll have to see what it what all finalizes out to, but we got some more information to go there. And then we talked just briefly. I think you guys talked about the two minute parking limit on the square. Is that two hour? Two, two hour. hour. I'm sorry. Two minute two would be man. Yeah. That'd be a tough. That'd be a tough yeah, window there right. to keep the police busy. That's right. So two hour parking. Uh, there's an ordinance on the books currently for that. Uh, I think it just hasn't really been enforced. I guess in the past. Um, and so Alderman Miller said that there's been some businesses that have complained about you know. Cars being parked there all day, you know, so it, it's it'll just be left up to the police to handle that, right. like the, writing a citation, writing a warning, you know, whatever it is, just to keep people moving. So certainly if you're parking on the square, you'll want to consider that. Uh, if you see those two-hour parking signs, uh, you may want to may want to try to abide by it, maybe a little tighter. Yeah. Uh, the last thing we'll talk about is the Mid-South Regional Climate Action Plan, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, agreement we, we agreed with the 
to agree to join with, I think, the city of Memphis, Shelby County, South Haven, Olive Branch. Most of the board did. Yeah, I, I think DeSoto County. Um, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Yeah, so I, this is one of those things that there's a you know there's a, a grant program that uh, the current federal administration is has opened up. It's a, a lot of money there. Whether there's things in there for a greener tomorrow or whatever you want to, however you want to put it, more energy efficient tomorrow uh, for government agencies to to put in to get some of these the grant funding. You know, I know that DeSoto County, the Board of Supervisors, declined to join this as well as the city of horn lake and and i'm i'm more on that side i you know to me i don't think that it's something that i don't i don't know that hernando really has a clear plan for what we would want to do to be more energy efficient i don't think that everybody's even on the same page as far as that goes you know there's been some discussion around possible you know led lighting and uh, you sure. know things like that but one there's not like a very you know clear clear and stated plan that was given to the board uh so i had you know kind of some some issues around that and then two it was really just the time and resources that we're putting into something that we may get nothing from um and some of these grant programs we we enter into them and we get thousands of dollars because we have an existing relationship with whoever the person is or whatever it might be or we have we've gotten the grant in the past so of course it makes sense to do it but this is kind of a a new thing i think that you know, not to get overly political about it, but it's something where you have a, dem- a, a Democrat in the White House, you have a, a Democrat-controlled Senate. Um, there are going to be some grant programs where they're not going to look in, you know, Republican-controlled uh, deep red areas and hand down grant funding. It's, it's, are, it's. Are you saying this is a conservative area? I'm just saying that that's what this is. I've seen some political signs that said this is not a conservative area. It's a. I mean, it, this is this is this is a red this is a red state and you it's sure? a red part of the state. Are you sure? This is a red part. Oh, okay. Every, I mean, you can check every presidential election. And seriously, though, I mean, Ben, this is a prime example. Elections have consequences, and, and certain mm-hmm. political parties have, you know, goals and, and agendas and, and, and what they like and what they uh, what they are proponents of. And certainly a Dem- Democratic administration has climate change and, and climate measures as one of their priorities, and that's why you see grants uh, like this come out. And so... I think, you know, not I'm not trying to speak for you, but I think you felt joining the city of Memphis and, and Shelby County was probably not in the best interest of the city of Fernando. Well, and it's also it, the big thing that's there. There's that side of it. And there's also the side of it, of just the time and the resources dedicated to it. Uh, what strings are attached to the, the whatever grant money comes in and, and, and mainly just not having a concise and stated plan. Do the people of Hernando, do the citizens of Hernando, do they want a more energy efficient government? That's I mean, right. I, that's I, right. I, I you know, I don't. I don't know. That that's very high on their priority list. I feel like what's higher on their priority list is getting streets paved. All right, I have, agree with you. Have clean running water. Have a sewer system that works efficiently. Have like so, not necessarily you know focused on energy efficiency within the departments. Um, it's 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 good to have potentially, but there's no stated plan for how we're going to get there. Sure. Um, so I would want to know how the money was going to be spent before we you know start applying for it. Well, I think I think you know I think what the, the majority of the board agreed to do is is kind of. St- the first step, and so I guess we'll see see what it uh, leads to in the, in the future. So absolutely, um, well, you want to talk a little bit about our guest before we, we get to him? A, this is a big guest, a big guest here today. Uh, we have State Auditor Shad White, who is on, uh, going for his uh, second term now as a state auditor down in Jackson, and he has uh, been in the, he's been in the news. He has done some some really big 
things as far as just holding people accountable for the their tax dollars here um, in Mississippi and the people that spend it and the people that misspend it, most importantly. So uh, we are very excited to have him here, and we're going to bring him on now for our guest interview of the week. And we're sitting here now with State Auditor Shad White. Mr. White, I'm not going to call you Mr. Don't White. That's Mr. So, that'd White. be so ridiculous. Man. That'd be so ridiculous. I turned around and looked Shad for my grandfather. Has... <laughs> He's trying to make a joke. I told you, you got to watch him. I know, but got to be careful. Uh, Shad is going into his second term. He's running for his second term as State Auditor. And the last four-plus years, uh, he has served in this capacity and is anywhere from people that are you know running the books at a volunteer fire department all the way up to you know some of the largest levels of state government uh his department looks into well i'll let you i'll let him say it right because sure. he probably knows a little bit better than i do but from sandersville mississippi's a mississippi guy <laughs> he and i he and i were at uh Ole miss around about the same time and, and did some student government together then but uh let's bring on chad white yeah. thanks for joining us yeah thank you guys for having me i appreciate it i like you said ben i grew up in sandersville which is a town of 700 people so i'm all about local government and now that we can pod about local government even better this is i think this is my first local government pod so i'm, I'm pretty pumped did y'all have a blinking light or a stop sign it's a very or? sensitive subject and i, I appreciate oh, you raising this <laughs> uh, we did have a single stoplight it was one of the old school ones that was a single light that faced four ways and the oh, state yeah. came in at some point and said our population was too small to merit oh, they took that, it away and they Holy took it cow. away so it's very very tragic it's now a four-way stop but uh, people still remember. And, you know, once every like four years, there'll be a fender bender there. And, you know, mm. there's there's like one old dude who sits at the gas station across the street, like barefoot <laughs> on a crate. And he's like, I told him, like, I knew Gosh. that this would happen. So, uh, Small yeah. Town, that, that's what makes Mississippi great, I think. That's Stuff exactly like, right. Stories like that. Yeah, absolutely. So my dad was an alderman my entire life from as early yeah. as I can remember. And the stories he has, the things that I saw him do, uh, for people, you know, just really, it shows you that local government is where the rubber meets the road, right? Like if Preston, yeah. sorry to call it Preston, uh, if Preston's cat got into the tree, they were mm -hmm. calling dad yeah. to come get the cat out of the tree. Cause there's only one police officer on duty and he was only on duty like half the time. So you would just call your elected official. Dad would go climb. I've literally seen him climb <laughs> up the tree to get Preston's cat in time for Jeopardy. Because if Jeopardy <laughs> If Preston doesn't have the cat in his lap for Jeopardy, then you can't watch Jeopardy. So, oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. So anyway, this is That's, this is why I love local government. I have seriously. Yet, I have not had to get a cat out of a tree yet. Um, I've laid the groundwork with this pod. Yeah, right? I know. Somebody like, put the pressure call, on us, man. One, I can call Chad and get this out of him. <laughs> I can one call him. One more thing. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, your, you know, your family, all that kind of stuff. Sure. You know, growing up in in Sandersville and that that area. Mississippi Public Schools. Yes, so yeah. I was in Northeast Jones High School. Go Tigers! Uh, grew up down there. Went to Ole Miss. Yeah, finished up. Came back and um, uh, went to D.C. for a little bit. Worked at a think tank. I did a master's degree in England and uh, came back. I worked on Alan Nunnally's race yeah. back in 2010, actually. So I lived in Tupelo and learned this entire district, like the back of my hand, I actually organized the campaign event, uh, at the city hall right down the street here. So I, I spent a good bit of time in North Mississippi and Alan was a hero of mine. For those of you who don't know, Alan, he was a great member of Congress, got elected in 2010, first race. I, I was working on that race. And then he very tragically passed away a few years after with a brain tumor. But uh, that's how I got to learn North Mississippi. And then went off for law school at Harvard, met my wife, came back down here. We now have three kids, uh, ages four, one, and three months. 
Uh, Yeah. So you're uh, wide open. I'm wide open. This past Memorial Day weekend, we were hanging out with our in-laws and I was watching my three kids (laughs) all weekend. So this right now this is, is a break, my, right? this is my vacation at this moment this is it i've been looking forward to this for three straight days there you go. um well, but anyway we're glad so, to have you in north mississippi in hernando yeah, it's so. good to be here it's good to be here and i have a great job now serving the taxpayers it's uh it's a job that i love to do chad you also are you in, still in national guard i believe i am yeah i am so i'm a captain in the national guard i'm a jag uh, so I get to use my legal background a little bit that way i'm stationed at the 186th air wing which is in meridian mississippi okay. yeah so tell us a little bit more about what the state auditor's office does, because sure. one one of the main pillars of this podcast, if you will, is that we're trying to educate people on government and what some of these jobs do on a day-to-day basis uh, so that people can understand it better. Yeah, so the, the mission of the state auditor's office is to make sure that public funds are spent in the way that the law requires, and we ensure that by doing routine audits of a lot of different things. We do routine audits of state agencies, of county governments, of school districts, And then if we see that somebody has potentially committed a crime with those funds, we have an investigative team. So that's men and women who have, who are career investigators. They wear guns on their hips. They have badges. Uh, They have a similar skill set as an FBI agent, but they only focus on white collar crime involving public funds. And those folks will investigate criminal matters. If we discover that somebody has stolen any public money, we'll work with a prosecutor, take the case to them. And the prosecutor makes a decision about whether or not they want to charge that individual with a crime. So, we have that big part of, of the office. We do the audits. Uh, we do criminal investigations. And then the, the day-to-day uh, really involves something else, which is very important, which never gets headlines, but I care a lot about. And that is making sure that people from local government all the way up to the top levels of state government understand the rules around how to spend public dollars and informing and training them. So we do about 75 trainings per year around the state in person to train folks who are aldermen, tax collectors, uh, state agency employees on what it is they need to be thinking about and doing when it comes to handling public funds. That to me is something I'm very passionate about because again, my my dad was in local government. I know that 99% of people who are in government want to do the right thing with public funds. They just need to know the rules around what those uh, things are. So we do a ton of trainings. We answer a ton of phone calls every single day. We have a 1-800 hotline number that anybody in local government can call. So really, this is that's a big part of the job that you will never, ever read about on the front page of the Clarion Ledger or any other paper, but I care a lot about it. Is it one of those deals? So y'all are you're, you're part legal experts because you're going through codes and statutes and all this stuff for how, so yep. how you're supposed to spend money. And you're also a, a law enforcement agency as well. So is it, you know, I would think that you have situations... You know, people use this when they're when they're speeding. They're like, I didn't know what the speed limit was. Yeah, right. Well, they don't care. They don't care. You know, you're yep. still going to get a ticket, right? Is that is that kind of the same sort of mentality there? Or? Absolutely. You know, it, it, I mean, it goes back to that old adage: ignorance of the law is no excuse. You know, so you have to know the rules around how you can and cannot spend money. Now, there is a difference between somebody who uh, misspends money and does not know the rules, so therefore does not have an intent to commit any sort of crime, and somebody who does so and shows that they have some knowledge that what they're doing is wrong. So maybe they tried to hide what they were doing, or maybe they said in a text message, I know we can't do this, but let's, I mean, and this happens. I know we can't do this, but uh, let's give it a shot anyway, that kind of thing. Then you find yourself, if you've done that in criminal world, where a prosecutor is going to take a hard look at charging you with a crime. So yeah, we the law is strict, and we enforce it to the letter regardless of who a person is, regardless of how famous they are, whatever it may be. But the consequences vary based on what the law says. So it sounds like, you know, obviously you have 
a father figure in the house who's got a life of public service and, and, and that sort of thing and helping people with cats and trees and all that sort of thing and doing the thing aldermen do. But, but what was your, we, we talked to people about their motivation as well for why they're getting into this and why they, why they do this. So can you talk more about that? Really, it started at home with my dad and my grandfather, both. Both of them served in elected office. They, we were in such a small town that that really wasn't your job. Mm-hmm. You know, my both my grandfather and my dad are oilfield roustabouts. My grandfather was when he was still living. My dad still is. And so I, I grew up watching those two men dedicate a significant portion of their lives, putting aside family life at times to serve their communities. And the message was very clear to me. At some point, you should plan on giving some of your time back to your community. And my dad made it clear that, you know, that could be serving your church as a deacon, or it could be, you know, head of the local Salvation Army board or whatever it may be. But for him, it was running for office, still is. He's actually the mayor of the little town I grew up in now, believes he's president of the United States. He's <laughs> very important. Is he still getting cats out of trees? A hundred percent he is, yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I knew that for me, I, I wanted to serve in some sort of way, and it just so happened that I ended up in this job, which fits very well with the skill set that I had built over the course of the last 10 years and, and is, a really, is a really fulfilling job that I love every single day. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, Shad, I know from time to time y'all put out, uh, you know, report. I think y'all did a, a report on like a brain drain, things yep. like that. Yep. Uh, I find those very interesting if you want to talk about a few of those. So that, that's a really interesting side set of projects that we have the authority to do in the auditor's office, really have had the authority to do since the mid-90s. And, and really what those reports are are looks at how the state is spending taxpayer sure. dollars. And when there's a big challenge that the state is facing that costs taxpayers money, we like to highlight it and, and show policymakers, look, this is something we need to address. So one of those was brain drain and, and the, the flight of human capital from Mississippi. So here in DeSoto County, you guys are blessed. This is a magnet for human capital. People who work in Memphis may live here. Tons of folks sure. who work here live here. Uh, this is a great place. And every time I come through Hernando or Olive Branch or South Haven, I feel like I'm driving on a new road that I had not driven on previously, <laughs> which is a good, again, I know that's a challenge for people who live here, but it is a good problem to have. You don't want to have the opposite problem, which is flight of human capital with no real line of sight on how to get those folks back. So the state of Mississippi has in general faced a, a challenge with smart young folks leaving. Uh, Congress did a study a few years ago that ranked states by human flight Uh, human capital flight. And what they found is that Mississippi is among the worst five states for brain drain. That's college-educated folks leaving. And what we did in the auditor's office is we wrote a report and said, okay, well, if we're losing talented young people, what's it costing the taxpayers? So how much are we paying to educate these students? And then how many of them are actually staying? And when you look at the numbers, we pay, you know, in any three-year period, conservatively, anywhere between $1.5 and $2 billion out of the taxpayers' coffers on higher education. So how many of those Mississippi graduates, folks who are from Mississippi, who actually grew up here and go to a Mississippi university, how many of those folks are actually staying? It's about 62%, which is not a good number when you compare it to other states. If you look at all graduates of Mississippi universities, it goes down to about 50%. That includes folks coming from out of state. So anyway, the point of this story is, the study is, to say, look, this is costing us. This is costing taxpayers money. We are subsidizing an investment in a thing, human capital, and that human capital is walking away. So we have got to get serious about keeping that investment here. Otherwise, we're going to look up and the people who are the next generation of entrepreneurs, 
elected officials, folks who are going to be leaders in their churches and their communities, they're not going to be here. Right. So we have to find a way to keep those folks here. It's one of the reasons we started a fellowship in my office called the Stay in the Sip Fellowship to attract young auditors and try to keep them here. But it's something that, that I'm passionate about because I think it speaks to maybe one of the biggest long-run challenges that we face as a state. Let's talk about some of the investigations you guys have had. I mean, I think I think that's the thing that usually hits the news yep. more than anything else, right? It's the, you know, the community college. The, I know the community college was one of the, the first big ones. Tell, yep. tell people a little bit more about that, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people missed, missed out on that one. No, it's a, it's a really interesting investigation that we did. It was early in my time as state auditor. We discovered that two employees of Coahoma Community College had embezzled north of $900,000, so nearly a million dollars from a tiny community college. I usually lead with this question uh, if I'm talking about this case, make an audience answer. Okay, if you had to guess which college or university in Mississippi had was home to the largest embezzlement in the last 10 years, <laughs> mm-hmm. which college or university would you guess? And it never fails. Every Mississippi State fan is like, oh, miss. I don't know. Just <laughs> go ahead and true. say it. I don't know what it is. It's like an instinct. It just turns on. Uh, the truth is that it's Coahoma Community College. Oh. And the reason I raise the question in that way is to say that big institutions, statistically, it's true nationwide, big institutions are less likely to fall victim to fraud because there's a ton of eyeballs, there's a ton of lawyers, there's a ton of accountants. Sometimes there's an internal auditor all running around watching how money is being spent. Small institutions that handle decent chunks of funds, those are very, very vulnerable to fraud. And so what happened at Coahoma Community College is you had two individuals conspiring together. They would take P cards, so purchasing cards, and they would go use those cards at, say, a Walmart to buy disposable debit cards. And then once they had that, they had a form of cash so they could spend it on themselves. They could give it to their friends. They could give it to their family. And they did that over the course of several years and racked up a bill of over $900,000. So uh, the justice system is slow. Uh, That's another Mm -hmm. moral of this story. At the end of that case, we took the case to the prosecutor. Prosecutor decided to indict those individuals. We arrested them. The case then sat on the trial docket for literally years. And finally, this year, they uh, pleaded guilty. So now the case is done, which is nice. It's over. But you want to talk about an adjustment for me coming into office as state auditor. You know, my thought was we're going to we're going to uncover some fraud and some corruption and we're going to bust heads together and we're going to get some results. And the system is slow. The system is very, very slow. So you have to be willing to stick with this job for a while in order to see uh, see justice being done at the end of your cases. And Shad, I think it's important to point out you guys, your office does not prosecute. You're, you're dependent Correct. on, you're dependent on, I guess you forward these cases to attorney general's office or the county or, yep. or district, district in that in that area. So exactly. you guys are right. stuck on them. Exactly. And, I would, and I would think it would be something where it's, it, it's very black and white. Like numbers are just, are what they are a yeah. lot of times. Like I think yeah. people can see it, you know, people have to balance their checkbook at the house. Yep. They have to deal with, you know, budgets at work, all that kind of stuff. And people know when something's kind of funny. Well, and Chad's exactly right. So I, I work my, my real job. I'm the jail administrator for the sheriff's department here. Oh, we yeah, have, we yeah, have, yeah. we have a few accounts. And so we have a lot of internal controls to make yep. sure that we, you know, it's no one, not one person's in charge of one account. When you have these small places like that, that's what you have usually. You know, the water company, one person's taking all the water bills yes. in or whatever. That, that's where you have those issues. In at, accounting so. language, that's called lack of internal controls. That's right. And what that means is just you have one person in charge of too much, and that is a fraud risk. So, you know, this is really instructive for anybody who's listening who runs a small business, too. If you have one person in your small business who's taking the cash in and also making the deposits, and that same person is the person who checks the mail every day, and that person has unilateral control over your online banking platform, just here to tell you that person has too much control. And you may think that person is incredibly trustworthy. You may have known them your whole lives. But 
everybody. Everybody's who, got a line, right? Everybody's got a line, and everybody, I won't say everybody, just about everybody that falls victim to fraud says something at the end of it like, man, I thought I could trust that person with my life. Right, yeah. That's the reason you gave them all that power. That's mm-hmm. the reason you mm-hmm. gave them control over the checkbook, and and some people will just prove you wrong, unfortunately. Yeah. We just, the reason I know, we just went through our, we're having our little audit going on right now. Yeah. And so I'm, we just got audited God, by our guy. God bless you. So. It's not too bad. I, I'm, not, I'm not responsible for a couple of counts, so it's not too bad. There but, you go. But Mr. Uh, Mr. Simpson Goodman, I'll give him a uh, shout out. He, there you he, go. he came and saw us. So. There you go. Well, then you guys actually audit your own office as well, right? And that part of y'all's function? Yep. So we, uh, we go through, there's always that question of who audits the auditor. You know, it's like a <laughs> Russian doll scenario. You know, like who, who is at the end of this process? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yes. Uh, a few years ago when I took office, I asked the compliance audit team of my office to do an audit of our functions and to make sure that we were complying with laws. And so they did that. I think that was a very useful exercise. And then every three years, a team of auditors from outside Mississippi will come in to our office and they will stay with us at least a week and they'll do a peer review of our operations and they'll they'll give us a written report on hey this is where you're messing up this is where you're doing well it's more like where you're messing up i mean on audit is designed to issue findings here are things to fix so every three years we have that process uh, i've had two of them in my time as state auditor and they both have come back very clean so i'm very proud of the team in the auditor's office there's a ton of checks and balances over what we do and uh, and I think we've got a very, very talented team right now. The work really speaks for itself, you know. So looking back at our last four years, I've been in office since 2018. We've recovered more money in these four years than in any other four-year period in the history of the state auditor's office, uh, and it's not wow. close. And I say that not to brag on Shad, it's to brag on the team at the auditor's office. I'm the guy that gets to pick the division directors, get them the resources they need, and then come sit on podcasts and tell you what they're doing. I mean, I get to explain to you why this is important and, and sell the office so that we can keep can keep our budget up, so that we can keep hiring people, so we can recruit new folks, recruit talent, and get more work done. So they're doing an incredible job, uh, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to go to work with them every single day. As you know, Ben, they put a stop to the largest public fraud scheme in the history of the state, another big, another big feather in their cap. So I'm, I'm grateful for the work that they do every single day. I think it's important. Yeah, that's called uh, burying the lead. Um, and, and, and journalism is when you take the so most important thing. He's got the, he's got the journalism thing. degree. Man. Yeah, when you take the most important thing and you bury it. So you, so everybody that's listening to the podcast, you've listened this long. Let's talk about you know the, the welfare scandal that was certainly, as you mentioned, one of the largest or the largest uh, in the, I in the led, history. In my defense, I led with the Preston the Cat story, which <laughs> that, I believe was the lead. Is that a real person? His name is Preston, yes, and I, wow, I'm not going to tell you his real last deal. name. That's I a got, real deal. No, I no, got no, real I, close. I'm yeah. not going to tell you his last name, but his uh, name is Preston, and yeah. he's a great guy. That's a real deal. So yeah. from that to uh, you know a multi-million dollar uh, welfare scandal that involved the likes of you know, I think Brett, Brett Favre's name has been thrown around by some of the, I think by the Nancy media knew, outlets. Nancy um, knew. Pro wrestlers, there's just it is, has all of the makings of a Netflix uh, movie at some point. I'm sure it will be. So, Shad, where's where's the litigation stand? Are you got? Is there still some criminal charges pending on some of those defendants? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So there's there's litigation going on two tracks. There's the criminal side. So on the criminal side, you know, initially we worked with the local DA in Hines County to arrest six people. Uh, those are the six people that the DA elected to charge. Five of those folks have pleaded guilty. Now, in addition to those five people who have pleaded guilty, another sixth person has pleaded guilty, and then uh, the feds have charged a seventh person. So that's Teddy DiBiase Jr. Okay. He has not pleaded guilty. He um, 
Uh, I assume since he's not pleaded guilty that he'll either plead guilty at some point or go to trial and, and try to prove his innocence or try to try to uh, assert his innocence and let the state try to prove his guilt. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But that's sort of where that stands. And what I would say is we really started handing over everything that we had to the FBI back in 2020. And since then, we have served a supporting role. So we've let the FBI work from sure. my office. We have provided investigators to help them. Uh, that, again, about three years ago. So really, uh, at this point, the investigation is still ongoing and the, and the criminal matters are still ongoing. And then the other piece of litigation that you have is the civil litigation. Demand so, letters for money. Exactly right. So my office issued demand letters. And then, of course, uh, the state through the Department of Human Services is now suing multiple individuals to try to recoup as much of that money back as possible. And so that litigation is ongoing. Civil litigation takes a long time. I suspect that we could be all sitting here in three years and we'll still be talking about some loose ends on that litigation sure. that are still hanging out there. But that's really, that's where all that stands. First, holding people accountable for any criminal activity and the second, trying to get as much money back as possible. What, what's that number that we think was mishandled or misused? Do we? Yeah. So if you're just talking about TANF money, welfare right. money, the number is about $77 million plus interest. If you add in the abuse of other funds, you're really talking about more like a hundred million dollars. So it's a massive amount of money. And, and what I would say about the amount of money is this, the federal government is going to come in at some point and they're going to tell the state, hey, look, we've read the state auditor's audits. We've read the independent forensic audits that have been done. We've looked at all the documents and the state is going to have to pay back X amount to the TANF fund or to the SNAP fund or whatever it may be. And, and, and TANF is Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, exactly. is that right? Yeah, I should back up a little bit. Ta temporary Assistance for Needy Families is more commonly known as welfare, and it's in general a fund that is intended to benefit poor folks sure. uh, here in the state and elsewhere. So that's that's kind of where those two pieces of litigation are, and and I think it's going to stretch on for quite a while. But you know, we're, we're really, you said this earlier, Chad, we're really the initial fact finders. Well, it's sort of like the sheriff's office, sure. right? You're going to go do an investigation and you're going to come back with facts and you're going to take those facts back to either a prosecutor who's going to make decisions about who to charge with a crime or a <clears throat> litigator on behalf of the state who's going, to, who's going to sue some folks to try to get the money back. And just as a point of reference, $100 million, is a, uh, clearly that's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. But the, the annual city budget for the city of Hernando this year is $35 million. So it's more than tripled the annual budget for the city of Hernando. That pays every police officer, every firefighter, yep. pay, it, it takes care of everything, paves roads, does all those things. Still triple that amount. So just an enormous deal there. But uh, it, it's I think it's one of those interesting it, – it's kind of interesting. Your job interests me in a lot of ways because – you want to find those things in a way, but you also don't want to find them. Like you don't want to find out that somebody has misspent a hundred million, but also that's your job. It is. Yeah. It, it puts a knot in your stomach every time you see a new case. And I had to adjust to that as, as a new state auditor coming in. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see all the time, but you know, I'm in this job for a reason, I believe. And, uh, and every single day that I get to go to work and come home and look back at what we accomplished and we put a stop to something, that's a good day. In the long run, you sort of know that there's no way you can stop all the fraud or all the corruption that's happening around the state. And so your goal is to, over time, create a deterrent. So that's why I go out and I say things like, we have recovered more money through our investigations than any other four-year period in the history of the office, is to let folks know that we're serious mm -hmm. and my folks are out there. And if you're stealing money, you can get away with it for a little while, but we're going to find you eventually. And 
maybe that deters somebody from continuing the scheme that they're on or from starting a scheme that they've been thinking about. And that really is the long run answer. That is the long run answer to curbing corruption is to is to put fear into people that, yeah, we're going to figure this out at some point. So one day when they do make a Netflix movie out of this entire scandal, <laughs> who is playing Shad White in the Netflix movie of this oh, man. enormous Mississippi scandal? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you, you stumped him on one. You know what? It's such a weird question. He's probably like, I'm ne- this is. I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is we need to call my wife. Because, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> because she she will she will pick somebody that you know is appropriately attractive. You know, so like if you ask me, I'm like, well, obviously Ryan Gosling or something. Yeah, there you, you know, go. right? Okay. And, and okay. Right. Every other human on the planet is like, come on, come on, you know, gosh, yeah. seriously. But my wife would pick someone who is appropriately attractive, but not too attractive. And I don't know who that would be. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know either. That's a good question. That's always, and also it shows you how smart, I mean, all of his credentials precede him, Harvard, you know, studied economics, all, all this sort of thing. But when you ask him a really tough question, he says, you got to ask my wife. Yeah, that is he's a true that, sign yeah. of, a, of a really smart man. Right there. He knows I've learned. It, yeah. Got that muscle memory. I know exactly <laughs> what to do. It's also one of those things too, I think it's interesting is that you, you are uh, on social media sometimes in you know, a big second amendment guy sometimes yep. as well you uh you exercise that right regularly yep. i didn't know that you were like a good shot i always just assumed i was like well I'm a, like he's a mississippi guy i'm sure he could shoot a gun or like what but i remember i remember you posting a photo like you had gone to cite something in or something like that yep and uh just enjoy outdoor sports or what's what's kind of what you do on the weekends yeah you know i i do shoot i'm not a big hunter actually for whatever reason my dad and my grandfather who again were both workaholics not huge hunters and i think you know if your dad or your grandfather don't do it it's uh it's not something you readily pick up so we were kind of a fishing family that's that's what we did growing up uh but i do shoot um being the national guard you know sure. it's something you kind of have to do so i have a glock 19 that i like and mm-hmm. uh and in the guard uh we get trained on the m18 the six sure. so uh that's a lot of fun what do i do on the weekends when i'm not doing that I, like i said i have three kids wrangle the kids probably. so uh, i'm chasing them for the most part i do still play soccer so i play in an old man soccer league oh, okay. i grew up playing soccer yeah it's getting as we get older it gets more and more aggressive so i'm going to have to find a way to not get myself killed out there but those are my those are my limited fun activities and then my oldest daughter my 4 year old she is i'm obviously biased but she is uh she is an incredible singer for a 4 okay. year old so we i play guitar and i pick at the piano a little bit i'm i'm better on the guitar uh and so we'll play country music songs she's a big luke combs fan okay. she's a big obviously frozen fan you know those gotta be the disney movies so you seen, um, you seen little mermaid yet the new one i have not <laughs> i have not i've heard mixed yeah, things okay. i don't know if it's good or it's bad i've heard all kinds of stuff sure. um so anyway we're 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 in that mode of life where i'm playing a lot of disney songs. I, I got two boys so he's got two girls so, uh, so yeah, yeah. We, he, we, we have different realities when it comes to parenting that's I think. right he's, he's a little yeah. mermaid and we're all in a very similar phase of life. We've got that. We've got some young kids. We got kids that you know want to go to the movies. That want to go to you know they hit up the Chuck E. Cheese. They want to do the, yes. all the stuff. You know, there's we're all kind of in this similar phase of life. And you and Chad, native Mississippians, myself, I uh, moved over to this area from Georgia. We've talked about that on previous shows. Um, but 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 Ole Miss folks uh, all here at the table for whatever that is worth. We're not part of the brain drain. Long we stuck around. Right? Long yeah. suffering. Long suffering. Yeah, Old absolutely. Folks. That's definitely one way to look at it for sure. 
Hey, Southern Miss has got a chance for the championship this Southern year. Southern Miss is still in the uh, NCAA baseball tournament. I, I thought the season was canceled just altogether. Like, it, the way <laughs> Ole Miss was playing, I just figured they just canceled the season. No the more things baseball. were going. Yeah. No more baseball for it. I actually am rooting for Southern Miss. So, uh, I think it would be incredibly cool to have a three-peat, a Mississippi three-peat. That would be cool. It's going to be a huge mountain for them to climb. And also, I think but, the coach is retiring, so this is his last season. So Maybe maybe they'll win one for the Gipper. That's right. Go back out there right. and do it. I, I, I'm partial to Southern Miss, too. I grew up 35 minutes from there. My mom's a Southern Miss grad, so I love Southern Miss. I think it would be cool to have a three-peat. So yeah, it would I'm be It would for, be cool. I, that's never happened, I don't think, anywhere. I, no, I it can't would be imagine. Nuts. It would I, be nuts. I, I can't imagine that has happened before, but we're, we are not a big sports podcast. But for those sports nuts out there, we gave you a little taste of uh, some some sports talk. I'm here to today. pivot it. I'm there here to pivot go. it. You're going to have to add it to the tagline at the bottom of the pod. Sh- let, me, let me ask you something that, that I'm – I'm, I kind of I don't know if Ben knows what this is, but the, I, I'm sure you're probably going to speak it in the Shelby County Fair. Yes. What's that like to, 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 to be involved, involved in that event? Hot. It's hot. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about the Shelby County Fair. All right, so I, I, I love it. But every year I go, every yeah. year I go, I always start out thinking, man, I'm excited to go to the Shelby County Fair. And, uh, you know, you get your speech ready a few days before and, and you get out there. Usually I speak like mid-morning or so. That's sure. got the kind of state auditor slot. Sometimes after like Mike Cheney or David McRae, but before, you know, whatever, the governor yeah, or somebody Lieutenant like governor, that. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm always pumped to get there. And I get there and I get on stage. And I'll just tell you, it's a very difficult speaking environment because – uh, your sound is echoing everywhere, yeah. so it's very hard to hear yourself. There's a lot of conversation around, so you just have to power through knowing that some people are listening to you, but some people just do not I care, care at you. all what you're saying. So you just have to kind of power through, do the best you can, get to the end of it. And I always leave, and there's like a couple of media interviews, and then you see a bunch of people that you know, and it's really fun. And then about like 30 minutes into that time after you speak, I I think, I stop and I think, I am hotter than I have ever been in my life, and I want to leave right now. And so then you just, at that point, it's like a marathon. At that point, you have to just gut it out and power through. But for the first... Polo or dress shirt? Uh, I'm a Columbia pressed shirt man, Uh, the kind of guy that (laughs) pretends that he is going out fishing after this, but actually wears that to work. That's that's my that's my go to. Uh, And you know, for politicians, you can't wear shorts. Yeah, that's right. Nobody wants to see these legs. So you got to wear blue jeans. (laughs) Yeah, which is hot. Like we may as well just be wearing fiberglass heat suits at that point because it's just hot. But I love the fair. I really do, and it's one of the the best speaking environments too because. You just get to see everybody. You get to see everybody all at once. All your friends. My mom, uh, my wife's aunt and uncle are from Carthage, and they have a little cabin oh, there. Yeah. So I've always talked about going. I said never been. So you should go. Yeah. Ben, you want to go? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, Spur of the we'll wear short. We'll wear shorts. That, that's, that's what he always. He's like, hey, I'm running a 5K next week. Do you want to come? And I'm like, well, I guess I'd have to say yes now. Yeah. Uh, he he came, started working at the gym. He started working out in the gym for like two days, and I hadn't seen him in months. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. I I, I could tell that about yeah. Ben, to be honest with you, because oh, he just gosh. he very quickly agreed to go with you to the Shelby yeah. County Fair. I could yeah. tell he gave no thought yeah, to it. Didn't talk to his wife. He didn't talk to his wife. He didn't look at his calendar. He's just right. like, yeah, I'll do that. I don't know if he'll do it. No, he won't. You know, be there. I don't know. It'll come up and he'll be like, "Man, I can't go. Can't go." You need to get on the five k though. So my one year old yes. and I ran a five k this past weekend, which was great. This is a little bit off topic, but it's really great because I'll plug this event for a future. Every Memorial Day weekend, 
special forces group in the groups in the National Guard, so specifically second twentieth uh, group, second battalion, special forces in the Army side. They do an event to honor one of their fallen brothers. Okay. It's called the Sev, and the Sev is a is uh, fifty pull ups, a hundred push ups, and a five k. So uh, we went out there. They do it every Memorial Day weekend. It's usually at Trustmark Park where the Embraves play. Yeah. And so my one-year-old and I went out there, and I put on – I meant to say, too, you have to wear a weighted vest or um, – like so It's kind of like the Murph. I've heard people do like yeah, the Murph challenge. It's, yeah. it's like a Murph, but, it's, but you have to wear a weighted vest. Sure. So uh, my one-year-old and I went out there, and I gutted it out for step after step on the 5K. But it's a ton of fun because they have food, and it's a very, it's a very patriotic thing to do because sure, you're remembering yeah. this individual who sacrificed everything and, and these guys who continue to sacrifice. So anyway, get on your 5K. Start wow. training for the SEV next year. That Memorial sounds Day intense. Weekend. It's fun. It's that really sounds, fun. That sounds intense, yeah. especially the pull-up part. I think I, think I, could, I think I could manage the rest. I don't know about pull-ups. You know assisted pull-ups. There's a way to get it in. Yeah, okay. so they, they you're not encouraged to do assisted pull-ups, but there are bands, like the, yeah. the springy bands, to do that. If it's any incentive, there is free beer at the end oh. of it. So, yeah. <laughs> you may get Ben's attention. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I saw on. those eyes light up. <laughs> He's an old miss guy. He, you know, look, we know, he knows about beer drinking. You look like my daughter when the Frozen song came on. You're like, tell me more. Oh, what man. is this? Beer? Y'all are killing me on this one. This is this – is, now, now we're talking. Okay, now we're really talking. Let, this is this is something I asked uh, Bobby Chamberlain, our, our uh, state Supreme Court justice, on his episode. Did you have a moment? You know, you're you're growing up, you're a Mississippi guy. You're growing up, and you and you attain this uh, this new job. Was there a moment where it's like, wow, this is really cool that I'm in this moment, in this place? Was it when you were appointed to the position, and the, you know, like? What was it, I guess, that the really special memory or special moment kind of in this job? There are moments like that that I think back about. So I, I was appointed in the same room in the governor's mansion. It's this old pink room that I think has not been redecorated in decades. Uh, the Governor Kirk Fordyce appointed Governor Bryant to state auditor's role. I was wow, appointed okay. in that same exact spot, actually. So that was a cool moment. I remember giving that speech and thinking this is this is sort of this intersection with Mississippi history, which I would not have I would have, would not have guessed that I would be here. At the same time, you know, most <laughs> most of the early moments that I had in office were sort of moments of like, gosh, this is important. I better not mess this up. Uh, you know, the, that was more common. That was more commonly the thought in my head when I was going to bed every night. And I'll be honest, especially early when the DHS case and the investigation was going on, when we were debating about, okay, well, do we really feel confident that we have criminal charges here? Uh, do we really feel confident to write this into an audit because this is involving famous people who have a ton of friends and are very politically important? When all of that was happening, there were times when I would stare up at the ceiling and couldn't go to sleep because I'm thinking, I have to get this right. I have to get this right because this is, a, this is very, very important. Uh, so really for the first year, two years of my time as state auditor, I was uh, less enraptured with the, with the kind of special moments or the trappings of what was going on and more just focused on not messing it up. And that, that filled a lot of my headspace. And then I got more comfortable with the job. Then, you know, some of our big cases uh, sort of settled in and, and came out. And, and at that point, I felt a lot better. Well, I think for most people, when people get upset about corruption and government misspending and all that kind of stuff, because people work hard, right? I mean, it, yep. it, people put in 40 hours a week, you know, they do their job the right way or whatever else. They expect their, their, sure. their public yes. fish to do the same. And, and, you know, that's, that's the kind of person I think about every day. My, my dad actually didn't get to come to my swearing in or didn't get to come to the, the announcement, 
because he was at work in the oil field. You know, for a guy like a guy like that working that job, it's not an option to show up to work yeah. every day. You're either on or you're off. And he was on duty that day. And so he was out working in the oil field. And I, I told somebody, if that's the guy I'm thinking about when I go to work every day because he's busting his tail to put food on the table for his family. Uh, he's busting his tail to do the right thing. Honest living. Honest living. And that guy is putting some money into our system by taxes. And if we can't do a better job of watching that money, then we got to move on. And uh, if that guy doesn't think that I'm working as hard to protect the money as he did to earn it, then I got to go find a new job. That, that's who I think about every single day. And, and that really takes up a lot of my, a lot of my mental energy Less so the, you know, less so the doing appearances and that kind of thing and the cutting of ribbons and stuff that, that sometimes has to happen, but I find myself far more motivated by the day-to-day work of what we're doing every single day in the auditor's office. That's good stuff. Ch- uh, Chad, you got any, Chad and Chad, this is like, I this knew is, it, would this, you it got <laughs> me, it, it took this long, <laughs> finally got me. Chad, you got anything else? Uh, I think just, just one question, you know, Ben and I are the younger, youngest members of our board and I think we're all very similar in age so how, how does it how does it feel I guess you're probably the youngest state elected yeah. official probably yes. do, do you kind of see that as the next generation of leaders kind of coming up or yeah you know it, it presents pros and cons I'm 37 I look 27 <laughs> so you know there there are always those times yeah so a lot of time you're probably the youngest person in the room kind of 100 percent yeah, yeah. Uh, when I took over in the auditor's office there was one senior staffer, a director who had been there as long as I had been alive. <laughs> so, you know, it, there's a challenge that comes with that because you have to be the person dictating the direction of the office. And the way I managed that challenge was to say, all right, some of y'all been here a long time. You know more about this place than I'll ever know, potentially. I'm here to learn. So I'm not going to make any big decisions for sure. at least a couple months. And I'm here to learn from y'all. And once they saw that I was serious about that, that I I was I was really interested in asking a bunch of questions and reading everything I get my hands on and learning how we did things that sort of put them at ease. But I had to earn that trust. You know, I had to I had to prove that I wasn't the young guy walking in who was just going to shake things up immediately. The benefit, I think, (laughs) to age is just energy. I mean, I we have we have a lot of work to do in the auditor's office all the time. And I honestly just don't know how you could do this job if you didn't have uh, the energy to wake up and go at it really, really hard every single day. You could do the job, but you wouldn't do particularly Maybe well. Maybe like 82 years old or something like that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just to throw out a number. <laughs> that That's the kind of thing where, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how a person like that gets this job done. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I really am grateful that I find myself in this position at this age. When I got appointed, I was the first millennial in a statewide elected position in the Deep South. And I really, the more time has gone on, the more I think, you know what, God put me here in this unique position at this age for a reason. It was to tackle some serious, serious issues that we had and continue to have, but some big issues and big cases that we had and to do it in a way that required a ton of energy. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful to, to be in the spot. I can tell you this. I work for the, you know, the county sheriff's department. And so we make sure we cross our T's and dot our I's because we don't want you to come to look at us. I promise you that. I hear so that. Your message is getting out. So. Well, you know. I, and that's good. We're, we're not scared to do that. We, we, we love that, that, you know, we don't, we don't have anything to hide. And, but I think the message is definitely out there that you don't want a shatter rack attack. Call it, right? so. <laughs> it is a good thing in the, in the sense that, you know, we, like I said, we get audited in the auditor's sure. office. So it, it makes us sit up straight. It makes us cross our T's and dot our I's. I, I told this story uh, at Neshoba last year. 
I had a speech on the coast, finished up my speech, got done, walked down, and, and this woman came up to me and she said, Shad, I just want to tell you, I was in this meeting at a state agency in Jackson the other day, and um, somebody was speaking, they were talking about purchasing something with government funds, they're from our purchasing office, and it was very clear that they wanted to break some of the rules sure. around how you can <laughs> and cannot spend money. And she said, I let them go, and I let them talk, and, and at some point I stopped them and I said, are you crazy? do you want to see the skinny man walk through that door? And it took me a minute. I had to realize I'm a skinny much, man yeah. that she's talking about. Yeah. But, but I do think that that is a healthy attitude to have is let's cross every T let's dot every I let's make sure we have internal controls in place because that way we're going to be able to prevent some of this fraud. And that way we make sure that people know that 99% of people who are in government are trying to do the right thing. That's and right. for the one bad apple out there, that person's going to face consequences. Sure. And I'm sure there are days because uh, I had I had a, a ton of questions as a, a a newly elected alderman, and I'm sure that um, Shad probably looked back on his time at Ole Miss and was like, "Why did I ever give Ben Piper my cell phone number?" Because now he just <laughs> he thinks that he can just text me uh, any any old question you're, about whatever you're welcome we're doing. to text me anytime. Uh, but, it's the same number from it's, freshman year of college. Uh, what's, is it Charles Woods? Is he works for you? He is. Yeah. So I think that I know the the mayor reaches out to him from time to time. He used to yep. be in charge of the the arm or the unit here at the Armory in Hernando. He did. So that's exactly right. I'm just a little bit, so we reach out to him from time to time. So. Yeah, we're we're very available in my office. If you if you can't get in touch with me, uh, call our technical assistance division. Call Chief of Staff Woods. We we've got we've got a very consumer friendly, consumer facing office because we want to get those answers to you quick. In fact, not everybody in state government operates at this speed, but I challenge my folks to. If you Ben Piper has a question about how he can spend public money or or whether the city's doing something right. We are committed to getting an answer back to you within 24 hours. That's that's the challenge I put in front of our folks. That's hard for lawyers sometimes. That's mm -hmm. hard for CPAs mm -hmm. to turn around and answer that fast. That's right. But we cannot be the ones responsible for slowing government down. If you need an answer within 24 hours to take a smart vote in Hernando about paving a new road, I don't want the state auditor's office to be the reason that you're having to slow down. So that that's why we try to move that quick. And y'all and y'all have met that expectation. I think Chad and I both have had uh, situations like that where we've emailed and gotten a response within Good. within a day. So yeah, it's yeah. so it's definitely something that they're meeting there. Well, it, we do have. Uh, I know most people here in DeSoto County are focused on the August uh, Republican primary uh, that's coming up. We have some big local races there, yeah. but but uh, we have a general election as well statewide uh, coming up. And uh, Shad does have an opponent there. So if you uh, like all the things that you've been hearing here on this podcast and, and you decide you want to support how do people get uh what website just all yep. this stuff how do yep. they get connected if, with if you? folks are supportive then they can go to www.shadwhite.com and we're raising money right now for the re-election campaign you can find information on there about how to get engaged you can always follow me on twitter at shad white follow me on facebook as well so we're always putting out information uh, about getting engaged in the campaign. Uh, and if you're not supportive of me, the election is on December 24th, 2023. <laughs> Just show up to vote that specific day. Uh, you know, ben had a, had a runoff and he only won by like 15, 20 votes. He did that to a couple of people. That's how he got in there. Oh, come on now. That's see. not We've true. That's a joke. A that's a joke. Live, yeah, that live on the podcast. Hey, and going back, he, he's, he is older than me and I have a lot, a lot more energy than he does. So that's, I like it. This man, I like I'm it. telling you, he is, he, is, a lot of he has a lot of humility. 
That's that's his number one attribute. Number one attribute. Chad, I just thought about you have humility. a birthday coming up in what July, right? I'll be thirty nine. Oh, so I'm I'm my, a lot of my family members keep telling me like you're you're almost forty. You're getting closer and closer to forty. And I was like, you are getting further and further away. That's just that's how right. age works. You like it's not the, a big deal. The cold grip of death sleeping every year, every every single passing day. I think that's it, Chad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate you, you having on. Man, anything else you want to promote or no, put out there? No, I really appreciate y'all and what you do. I appreciate your your dedication to local government. I, I hope it's come across. I'm not just saying it. Local government is super important to me. It's one of the reasons I wanted to be state auditor to make sure that folks at the local level knew the rules and, and had the support that they needed. I care a lot about it because my family's dedicated a lot of their lives to it. Y'all are the ones who are getting phone calls in the middle of the night. I That's told true. you the Preston story, but I've seen my dad herd cows out of the middle of the street. Yeah. I've seen my dad stand knee deep when a sewer is overflowing and help the guys, the repair guys for the city fix the pipes, this is where the rubber meets the road, right. quite literally. Uh, so thank you all for what you're doing. And to everybody else who's serving the local government out there who may be listening to this, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you're doing a great job because Hernando and DeSoto County are just incredibly successful and they're thriving. And you guys, uh, you guys are keeping it between the ditches. And hey, Shad, it. just we're trying to get this road wide in I fifty five. You know anybody help us out? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I have some secret pots of cash that I can I can funnel your way. Yeah, no, appreciate it. You want to end it, uh, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. So that was our that was our state auditor, Shad White, uh, joining us here on the Boardroom Podcast. Appreciate him uh, taking a few minutes to join us up here. Again, you can uh, visit his website www.shadwhite.com uh, if you if you are uh, supportive and want to check that out um, and. Just continue to uh, listen in on the Boardroom Podcast. Uh, we will have the sheriff candidates for uh, for DeSoto County uh, coming up on our next episode in June. And uh, we'll have the dates on that on our Facebook page coming up shortly. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks to our state auditor, Shad White, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Boardroom Podcast, presented by People for a Better DeSoto County. I hope we were able to inform you and give you some additional insight on how your local government works. Stay engaged. Local government is the closest to the people.